Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at pentera.io. Hello, everybody. You're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine. This is Sean Martin, your host, where I have the joy of not being a practitioner, but talking to loads of folks who are and know what it's like to be a practitioner and a view across the board of cybersecurity programs. Of course, I'm I'm always looking for ways to uh, reduce exposure and, and be cyber-minded from the beginning and, uh, and building programs that not just protect the business, but uh, help them grow and protect the revenue that they generate as well. So uh, no small feat, of course, which is why I'm not a practitioner. <laughs> so, somebody, I can, I can fantasize about what that might look like, but others actually have to do it. And today we're going to talk about uh, an event that occurred just a few weeks back that uh, I think may have caught have caught some people by surprise. It certainly uh, will have some impact on the market, uh, the cybersecurity market, and I don't know, perhaps beyond that, because the company that was acquired, Splunk, uh, didn't just play in the, the cyberspace, so um, they did more more IT stuff as well, so maybe that's a, an interesting point to cover. But I think getting to the operations, I think they're, it'll certainly change how organizations view security information and event management and orchestration and automation and whatever's next. Um, and there will be some tactical changes, I suspect, and then also some strategic planning that will have to take place because of this. Um, that's about the extent of what I know. And that's why I'm thrilled to have Ali Mellon on <laughs> to actually share some real insights uh, for what's going on here. Ali, it's a pleasure to have you on again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. And uh, of course, uh, this space, no, uh, no surprise for you what's going on uh, in the world of SIM, given what you, what you do at Forrester. Uh, maybe a few words for those who have not heard from you yet or in a while, what, what you're working on at Forrester. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a, a principal analyst at Forrester. I've been with Forrester for a little over two and a half years, and I cover security operations. So people process technology in the SOC. 
for those of you who are familiar with market research firms like Forrester, we tend to focus on technology areas. I'm very grateful to be able to go a little bit broader than that and also focus on the people and process side with security operations. But from a technology perspective, I cover um, EDR, XDR, SIM, SOAR, security analytics, ransomware, MITRE attack, all those types of things. So this is uh, this acquisition was right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> right. All, all the fun stuff. So we're, we're talking about Cisco's intent to, to acquire Splunk. And um, yeah, there's no lack of articles written about it. Um, I, I'd like to get your initial perspective on, well, I'm trying to figure out where, where to start here. Is this something we should have expected? I, I think we often talk about a lot of new players coming in and some of the bigger ones buying little smaller ones until they get to a point. But these are pretty two pretty big firms. Um, yes. I remember back in my semantic days where two big firms joined forces. It didn't feel like an acquisition. It felt like we were acquired and in a merger. So your, your kind of view on, was this expected? Maybe not these two players necessarily, but is this kind of where the space we're in? So uh, on the one hand, it kind of was expected because we've been hearing rumors about this type of thing for a while. You'll remember like a year ago, there were a lot of rumors about this. Um, on the other hand, this is just such a massive acquisition or intent to acquire for such a large amount of money that it is pretty unexpected. It's also, I think, um, for many Splunk customers was pretty unexpected just given how... Um, Splunk just has a unique hold on the community and on their users. And their, there are so many of their users that just love the technology and love the product that um, I don't think they were necessarily prepared or understood that that was the next step for Splunk or that it didn't seem like a natural or normal next step for Splunk. But uh, it's definitely causing a lot of changes within the industry. And um, from a from the standpoint of what Cisco was needing in their security portfolio, it does make a bit of sense. We've seen many of the XDR vendors on the market looking to acquire or build their own um, capabilities around SIM replacement or log management to some extent. And so this is Cisco's answer to that, even though it's a much bigger intent to acquire than we've seen with most of the other XDR vendors, if not all of the XDR vendors in the market. So it's interesting, and I apologize for those uh, listening where I continue to hearken back and, and, and look back in my times at Semantic, but I, I feel we run a, a bit of a cycle here because during my tenure, uh, we acquired IBM AV, we acquired Intel AV, we, uh, I don't know, we probably acquired a couple more ABs and, and other protection technologies. And each one had their own management console. And we set out to build a SIM platform and then a SIM product on top of that to kind of consolidate all that stuff. And so it sounds like almost the reverse is happening here where uh, Cisco has a lot of the endpoints and intelligence and that kind of stuff. And they're looking for the management system. So they're acquiring that am i wrong for seeing a cycle here or is that is that something that, that i'm making up it's interesting that you describe it as a cycle because i do think that there's there's something to that um the thing that 
a lot of the EDR and now XDR vendors have is they have a tool that's built to do a specific thing and built to do that thing pretty well, which is detection and response on the endpoint and now more broader. Uh, the challenge is as they made that transition to XDR that they need a backend that can support the additional telemetry coming in and all of the additional data that they're gonna have to deal with and that addresses that use case of what SIMs were meant to do for practitioners. So the combination is very important and it is kind of a an example of vendors going a bit of the opposite route that um, that they had previously coming back to your to your cycle comment where you have a vendor that um, or a series of vendors that some of whom started way broader and they were like, we're gonna build this platform that's gonna be able to do whatever security teams need it to do. And that's where SIM ultimately originated and continued to grow when we saw SOAR become a big part of the SIM and UBA and threat intel platforms. And now on the other side of things, you have the EDR and XDR, which started out very specific and are now growing more broad. So how, I don't know how much of, I know, I know the, the vendor uh, analyst relationship is an interesting one <laughs> in that there, there are briefings and there and then there are inquiries and all, all a bunch of things where you, you get some insights. I don't know how much of you, this you can share, but I'm just wondering, I, I would only imagine that Splunk had a pretty powerful view for where they wanted things to go. And I kind of touched on it earlier. They security is one area that they've, certainly excelled in. Um, I know that they do IT ops as well. I'm not as familiar with some of that. There may be other things that they, they uh, provide in terms of capabilities, certainly outside of cyber. I'm just wondering, did, did they have a, a vision now that is impacted? Because it's maybe not as broad and maybe more XDR focused? Well, Ultimately, Cisco's a big company. You know, they do a lot of different things as well. They are not just limited to security. Obviously, they're not just limited to um, to hardware now either. This is a big move for them in the software space. So I would expect that, and I would think that it would be in Cisco's best interest to continue to foster what Splunk has been able to do for IT, for observability, and for security as well. Security is one use case, yes, but one of the benefits of having such a broad all-purpose tool is that there are a lot of use cases that it can address and it can address really well. So um, I don't have anything that I can share about Cisco's planned next steps or anything like that with um, the acquisition or what Splunk plans to do in the next 12 months, but I would think that if they were planning well, then they would focus on making sure that both of those audiences um, continue to have the product that they need and continue ha to have the capabilities they need to to thrive. Yeah. So the there's the well, I guess the the whole continuing to build the product and then the future of that, and then there's the supporting the customers and. I don't know, some of the, I think there's some concern from the Splunk community, um, twofold. One you touched on, which is they're a very strong, tight-knit community. Uh, I won't say cult-like, but I kind of just, <laughs> but, but I mean, they're, they're very passionate about 
using that tool in the community, uh, using it. And but then there's the the support side of it. So um, how well transitions take place, and I'm talking everything from procurement to customer service to patches to whatever it might be. Um, how the, the real question I'm trying to get to is do, do we see a disruption in security operations because teams might pause in further investments in the platform to do something new next year because they want to hold until they see what what comes to fruition here. So, so less about the intricacies of Cisco supporting Splunk and Splunk getting what they need from Cisco and the, and the customers in that, but more of a programmatic view of security programs, the impact that we might see there. Yes, the 100%. Um, you are right on with that. The the interesting, or one of the interesting parts about this for me is um, I've had a lot of conversations about Splunk in the time that I've been at Forrester. Just as you mentioned, they have a big community that's like a fan base almost for the product. Um, I've also gotten so many complaints and questions about how do we reduce costs with Splunk? There's there's two main issues that uh, customers of Splunk's run into, right? It's the cost of the offering, um, which tends to get out of control pretty easily, and a lack of innovation from Splunk over the last few years. That's been their two challenges and the two things that they really needed to figure out and still haven't gotten to the point where um, they've been able to figure out how to resolve those two issues consistently. And so ultimately, just given that there has been so much work from security teams to try to figure out how can we reduce costs, what's our best alternative to this, this acquisition, this intent to acquire is a signal for those teams, hey, maybe now is the time that we need to start seriously considering alternatives because they were already struggling with the cost. And now there's uncertainty over what the, the future direction of the product will be. And so it absolutely is changing the way that practitioners are thinking about Splunk and thinking about what tool they should be using. We're seeing more teams experimenting with other options, whether it be some smaller security analytics players, some of those that are newer to the market, or whether they're expanding things like their um, potential experiments with Microsoft Sentinel and Amazon Security Lake, and trying to see if those are going to be viable alternatives to Splunk in the long term for them. Google Chronicle is another example. So um, it's kind of a, with before the intent to acquire, customers were unhappy with the cost, but they were dealing with it because they knew that the direction that Splunk was going in was the direction that they wanted to be in. They knew Splunk as a company. They knew their team really enjoyed using Splunk. Um, but now this is a moment for them where security pros are able to rethink, is this going to continue to be what we want to use or should this be our inflection point or opportunity to start testing something new and see if we should be taking this a new direction? So I'm, I'm curious if you have any insights into how some of those changes will be led. So clearly you just pointed to two things. One, I, I didn't quite capture correctly, which is I thought maybe they had a, a view for innovation. Maybe that wasn't the case. The other is around the cost. 
because um, I, I see an opportunity for innovation in security operations. I think we see transformation. I've talked about this a couple times in a couple of other shows where I we see quote unquote digital transformation across the business and security kind of getting left behind there. Yeah. I, I think there's an opportunity to, to make some significant changes there. And perhaps this is a, a driver for a lot of organizations to do that. So my question is, is it driven by technology? Is it driven by cost? Is it driven by um, the ability for the offering to fit into their existing operations or, or perhaps take them to a new way of looking at their operations? So maybe not necessarily tech driven, but more of a mindset uh, culture type shift or something else completely different than I'm not thinking of? In this instance, it is largely driven by cost. A lot of this is driven by cost, but I will say that there's a lot, just to to your point, there's a lot of changes that are happening in security operations right now that are driven by a lot of the other factors that you talked about as well. Talent management and being able to keep the staff that you have or attract the talent that you want is a huge driver for a lot of the changes that we're seeing on security operations teams, in part because analysts are a huge uh, pipeline of talent into the organization. It's also a huge driver for improving analyst experience, which is security analysts' perception of the processes and tools that they work with. Looking at ways to improve that often leads to transformation efforts, um, because a lot of times the reason that analysts' jobs are not very much fun is because there's a ton of overhead that they have to do. There's a ton of manual processes they have to follow and they don't have a team internally that's looking at, okay, how do we actually deliver a better experience for analysts? Um, so there are other drivers too, but when it comes down to the Splunk conversation, a lot of it has been around the cost of the offering because it's just such a big part of a security team's budget is the cost of the SIM. Uh, so looking at ways to reduce that is a constant consideration point for the CISO. Now, is it um, from a cost perspective, like I can imagine it's the amount, but is there uh, an element of un unpredictability? <laughs> as well um being able to say i it might be a little more than i want but at least i know what it is or is there it just grows and grows and grows and if so is that a driver for perhaps organizations to look at different models of consumption that are more consistent and predictable it depends a lot on the pricing model that's being used if it's ingest based then Typically, if you've been using the SIM for a few years, you have a, an understanding of what it's going to be and you have strategies to reduce the cost. Some of those are becoming more difficult, especially with the move to the cloud, um, needing to have your Splunk instance in a particular cloud or face um, export costs for removing some of that data, those types of issues. But um, there are a lot of SIM vendors who have been experimenting with other pricing models to try and address this and try to try to find some alternative. Um, so Splunk has done this with Splunk Virtual Compute. There are a couple of other vendors that are charging based on workload pricing. And uh, that's where the predictability becomes, becomes difficult and where CISOs that I talk to are just 
looking for different ways to be strategic about the what they either bring into the tool if they're talking about an ingest perspective or what they're querying on if it's a per query um, cost, that type of thing. So it, it just depends, but for sure, overall cost and then predictability of costs are the two things that are, are the most difficult for, for security teams when it comes to the SIM. And looking at, uh, well, I think Splunk did a decent job capturing small teams and helping them mature their programs to be more robust and kind of grew with them over time. And one might look at Cisco and say that you really need to be the maturest of the mature <laughs> to, to leverage a Cisco solution um, in terms of staffing and knowledge and, and perhaps even budget. Um, do you see any changes there that organizations need to be prepared for? And I guess if they're already, if they exist, maybe, Maybe there's not not much to consider there, but perhaps new new organization organizations looking for new new paths to a, a, a robust security operations center. Um, is Cisco the right path for that to start out? So, what I will say is that Cisco's intent to acquire Splunk is a huge win for Cisco's and Cisco security business in particular. There's a lot of opportunity there, but just to what you're saying, it is important that they understand and take lessons from what Splunk has been able to do and enable Splunk to continue to be successful in what it's most successful at, which is fostering a user base, fostering a community. Training is a huge part of that and is something that is honestly pretty sorely missed in other parts of the security industry and with a lot of other vendors. So if Cisco can take those lessons and internalize them and say, all right, this is something that we can do to improve Cisco for the better while also making sure that we keep the Splunk customers happy with what they what they had with this vendor and will now have with us, there's a massive opportunity there for them. It's a lot of work, it's very challenging, but that's gonna be their best path forward is to uh, let Splunk continue to be Splunk, and if anything, take some of those lessons back and incorporate it into their security practice. So what about the, the, the rest of the market that's now seeing this, I would presume for many, as an opportunity to swoop in <laughs> and uh, capitalize on whatever chaos ensues, um, assuming there is going to be some. Uh, where... Where do you think some of those wedges might come in? You mentioned price, but aside from that, um, are there, well, I, you mentioned the three cloud providers <laughs> having their their services. Uh, that clearly is thing more, more and more stuff moves to the cloud, those become more viable. Um, less is on-prem, then those become more viable. But what other kind of wedges or areas of opportunity might exist uh, now that this is under. So on, um, there's a couple of angles here, right? One of the reasons that this is such an important inflection point for the SIM market as a whole is because of how much Splunk is used within most organizations and most security organizations as well. 
So ultimately what this, this represents is an opportunity for a lot of the other security analytics and SIM vendors to come in and say, okay, we can be that alternative to Splunk and for that potentially to just start to take place. Now, there's another angle to this, which is what's happening with the XDR market, which is kind of another wedge to, to use your term. With the XDR market, the vendors are looking to provide, yes, the XDR capabilities, which is extending beyond endpoint detection and response, incorporating additional telemetry for better quality detections, but also to offer a SIM replacement as a uh, either a bundled offering or as a separate offering that security teams can leverage. The challenge here is that many of the existing SIM and log management offerings on the market are not nearly as comprehensive as what Splunk is able to deliver. Now, as part of the XDR uh, vendors and what they're doing to shift the market, they're trying to kind of push away from needing all of those components that we traditionally associate with the SIM or security analytics platform, whether it's the SOAR side or the UBA or the threat intel platform, incorporating some of those, but trying to really bring it down to bare bones. What do we need to do to accomplish what your SIM was doing but at a much lower cost and in a much simpler way? And if they are able to accomplish that, then there's a lot of potential for XDR and log management to come in and serve as a bundled offering that can replace SIM and then also, of course, uh, replace EDR because that's the next phase for EDR is XDR. Uh, and to have a lot of cost savings through that. So that's gonna be the other thing that Splunk, Cisco, and all of the security analytics platform vendors have to contend with is, all right, now XDR vendors are saying, this is our opportunity to take away some of that SIM budget and to replace the SIM in some instances. Let's see what damage we can do here to go beyond what we were able to get originally with EDR. And it may be my naive view, but latching SIM, and I know it's not, not exclusive, but latching SIM onto EDR, XDR, to me kind of contracts some of the, what I envision the grand vision for SIM to be and what I think SOAR was also trying to be. So I'm wondering if, if this shift, um, kind of limits our ability to build a much broader security operations and one that's rather building one that's more focused on the endpoint and response. Um, I'm thinking of things like fraud and, and uh, well, fraud primarily uh, that probably has very little to do with the endpoint, but could be a huge piece of uh, SimSOR capability in a, in a business. So are we, are we moving away from the vision of SIM with this, uh, perhaps? Or is there a split and and we have a SIM that's focused back on the endpoint again, and then another SIM that that continues to be broad in, in scope? How do you see it? Well, on the XDR side, many of the XDR vendors are building out detection and response capabilities around the cloud and around SaaS applications, those types of things, so, and identity. So they're looking to address some of those use cases and move broader than the endpoint. 
Now, the log management side is where what you're talking about comes into play and any custom use cases, any work that needs to be done uh, potentially on the uh, IT side too can be done within that tool. The only issue is, is that for most of the XDR vendors, the implementation is not nearly as robust as something like Splunk, um, which we were talking about. And so there is a question of whether or not XDR vendors will actually be able to fulfill all the needs that security teams need with their SIM or with their IT operations platform. And it's not going to replace every SIM in the world, this, this kind of bundled offering, and it's not going to be able to, certainly not going to be able to handle the IT side and what teams are expecting from an IT operations standpoint. Um, but for the XDR piece itself, it is interesting to see how some teams are able to move away from their SIM with this combination. It just requires a different frame of mind for thinking about the problem. Um, like I said, it's not going to work for everyone, but it'll be interesting to see how much of the market is willing to move towards that kind of model just because they don't want to deal with having a SIM anymore. Or if we're going to see a lot of movement into things like federated search and federated access of data, wherever that data resides, which is another key theme that I'm seeing a lot and a lot of interest in from clients. Are there changes in security operations that kind of align well with with this shift that's happening in, in the tech space, I guess you could say. So where there are already movements operationally, um, building the teams differently, um, looking at uh, the, te the tech stack for SecOps differently, um, that lend teams, uh, give them an upper hand, if you will, <laughs> for, for some of those changes they were planning to make. I'd say the biggest shift that is doing, that is enabling this is a lot of the shift towards being much more detection and response focused in the SOC. A lot of the things that we previously associated with security and security operations like firewall management have been pushed off to IT, which is for the better because ultimately there's a ton of work that needs to be done from a detection and response standpoint. Most teams do not have the time to do it. And so we need to give them all the time that we can to focus on their main task. And the other part of that is with such a strong focus on detection and response, there's a huge introduction of detection engineering and kind of taking more of a software development approach to detection and response for the creation of detections, for the creation of response workflows and playbooks. And uh, I've written quite a bit on detection engineering and, and some of the key components of detection engineering to move your team more towards a agile uh, point of view and agile methodology and to be able to iteratively improve the detections that your team is creating to improve their quality, to make sure that your team isn't responding to false positives all day, um, to kind of manage the hamster wheel of detection creation a little bit better. And that does fall very much so in line with a lot of the changes that we're seeing in the security analytics platform market and the detection and response markets more broadly. I love it. I love it. And it Let's uh, take a look further in the last few moments we have. So look into the future. Um, I don't know how much you've looked into Cisco beyond this particular uh, interaction, but we I think we touched on it before we started recording that back in my day, <laughs> that building a SIM was 
it was a miracle to get all the parts working, let alone working together. <laughs> um, and I, I feel that we've kind of crossed that chasm with the current sims and sores where stuff works and the real, the real effort and innovation comes in building a good team and, and building good processes around the, the technologies. How does the future look for SIM with respect to technology, people in process, um, and then maybe even, so maybe that in general, but then perhaps a slice of that view with respect to Cisco and how they might actually move things forward faster than if, if this was to be done without the acquisition. If that future was to be achieved without the acquisition. Yeah. So I do think that the shift to the cloud has a lot to do with this and uh, the shift of security analytics platforms and SIMs being um, cloud hosted or cloud native in some cases, that that has given a lot more freedom to security teams, security operations teams in particular, to focus on detection and response and to prioritize detection and response. Uh, there's still some challenges of always around configuration and getting things right and making sure all the uh, switches are flipped, all of that. Uh, but overall, it's an opportunity from my standpoint to spend more time on the detection and response aspects, which is what's freeing up the ability to do the detection engineering work and to learn that as a discipline. The other factor here that's very important is it also gives us more time to focus on security as a practice and as a discipline, as opposed to just being focused on understanding tools really well, because so much of a security practitioner's career is being an expert in a particular tool, being an expert in Splunk or in whatever EDR or whatever network analysis invisibility tool of choice. It's on all of the <laughs> requirements when you look at different roles that you could take on is, oh, well, do you have experience in this tool or that tool? And very rarely do we see security professionals who have a program in place where they can learn security practices and what being a practitioner is really about, which is the discipline of doing security well at a security analyst level or incident responder level, threat hunter, et cetera. So to me, there's a big opportunity for vendors to support that more and for some of the training that we're seeing in the market to be way more focused around not just the tool itself, but also how are we making sure that security professionals have a set of agreed upon best practices for how security should be approached? And how are we making sure that they're getting that training and getting that knowledge? One of the most fundamental things that I see on a regular basis from CISOs is that they want to make sure that the products that their teams are using have training and that the training is good. <laughs> That's a key requirement whenever CISOs are looking at new security technologies. And to be able to incorporate that into your onboarding process and into your security program, all of that training on both the product and more broadly on being a security professional and what that means and what a specific role entails and the methodology around that role, there's so much value to be added there so that we can really start to dig into the problems themselves instead of just, okay, how do we get the tool to work properly? I so love that we landed on the human. <laughs> Always. Um, it, it's so easy to get caught up in, in all the tech and uh, all the other stuff and, and forget that we actually need the people to, to run this stuff. 
and so I'm I'm thrilled you you landed there, and uh, I know you're constantly looking at this space and and everything up and down, left and right. Um, any final thoughts on on this particular topic or other things you're working on that are connected to it that you think folks would be interested in? I think the only other thing that I want to highlight, which we touched on earlier, is one of the um, the biggest priorities that I have at Forrester is analyst experience, not me analyst, but SOC analyst. So what what is their perception of the tools, technologies, and processes that they're working with, and how can we look for ways to improve those? So I highly recommend anybody, doesn't matter your role, whoever's listening, think about ways that within your role in security, you can improve the security analyst experience to make sure that they are succeeding in their careers, that they feel fulfilled in their role, that they want to stay in this profession. Because my big concern is we have a ton of people who are really interested in getting into the field. But once you do, it's very hard to want to stay in it. We see a lot of burnout after three to five years. So look for ways that, especially for newer security analysts, you can improve their experience if you're a uh, product manager working on a tool, or if you're a CISO managing a team, there's always ways that you can look to improve analyst experience. And um, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions about that. I'm always happy to talk about it. I love it. And uh, I'll just say, perhaps perhaps the price tag being a little higher for a better experience <laughs> has been worth it. Who knows? Who knows? Only only the, the SOC analysts know the answer to that question. Very true. But, um, Ali, a pleasure chatting with you as always. Um, thank you for, for your insights and, and letting me pretend that I know a few things. <laughs> and uh, hopefully everybody finds this useful. I think there's no question there's going to be shifts in the market, and those shifts will impact uh, what options are available, which then impact our teams, which then impact our humans. So uh, hopefully we get ahead of this and, and, uh, and manage it proactively so we, we keep those folks happy and we keep our programs running smoothly. And uh, I encourage everybody to connect with Ali and, uh, and read her research and uh, share your insights with her so she can continue to, to uh, gain better insights on the, on the market and what's going on there. So thanks everybody for listening. Be sure to subscribe and share. Thanks Ali, Ali for joining me and, and uh, hope to see you again soon. Thanks so much for having me. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at pentera.io. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. 
You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.